Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Follow me at where? Two inches off the ground, right? That makes sense. On Instagram. And always tell a friend if you like this podcast. And give me five stars wherever you listen. And for extra good karma, please review and subscribe. Check out Free Spirit Podcasts, that's with an S, dot com, where I have digital products and services, including my metaphysical TV guide, which has 15 metaphysical shows to keep your vibration raised. And after listening to this episode today, I'm telling you, it's a great resource and an even better way to support this podcast, which I so appreciate. Today's topic is neutral thinking and sports psychology. And I'm sure you guys are like, huh, I don't know if this is going to be my thing, but I guarantee you it's going to be your thing. I am absolutely obsessed with this topic. I really am. I don't watch professional sports. I'm going to be speaking a lot today and using examples from the NFL, which is the National Football League. And I'm talking about American football, where you throw the football, you don't kick it. So um, I don't watch professional sports. I don't watch football. I've, I've seen it in passing. But I will watch any documentary, any show about the football culture about the underbelly of football, the business of football. I just love it for some reason. One of my favorite shows on this earth is Friday Night Lights. If anyone's seen it, it's fantastic with Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton. And it really taught me how much pressure these players are under. They're under so much pressure. And being a quarterback is a special skill that not a lot of people have. And that's what watching Friday Night Lights taught me. And by the way, Friday Night Lights is based on a real book, in case anyone didn't know that. So anyway, I've been listening to this information all week, happily doing so. It's such a cool topic. And it's a good piggyback to last week's episode on releasing suppressed emotions and mindset. All right. Close your eyes. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. We don't want that. But uh, if you can, close your eyes or concentrate. Imagine you are a world-class athlete who's about to run onto the field with your team. You're running down that hallway from the locker room to the field. You've done all your pregame rituals. You're in the zone. You are ready to play. Your coach just gave you the most inspiring speech And this is the most important game of your career. Imagine how you feel. Your entire career since childhood has led up to this moment. Your mindset is fire. You are so positive, upbeat, ready to win. The stadium is full with 110,000 fans. You hear the cheers. You burst out of that hallway, out into the day where the fans cheer from above, and suddenly you feel something. You smell something. A group of opposing fans are urinating on your head and the heads of your teammates. Listen, you've dealt with screaming, swearing, crude comments, but never this. How do you handle 
this situation. Right before the most important game of your life, where your entire team depends on you, you can't take a shower. How can you turn strange bodily fluid into something, you know, super positive and uplifting, right guys? You obviously can't, so what do you do? According to Trevor Moad, who is named the sports world's best brain trainer by Sports Illustrated, incidents like this actually do occur. And this was one of the incidents he discussed in an interview where I listened to him. It's his job to teach athletes the mindset of how to deal with them. How do we, as common people, deal with these situations? How do you, in a time of extreme stress, extreme pressure, in the moment, have the mindset to overcome and thrive? What does it take to be a world-class athlete? And how can we, as metaphysical people, learn from these sports figures? Let's take a step back in time to 1995, 1996, where I was a high school runner. I ran cross country and track, and I was good. I ran the mile in under six minutes, so I was decent. However, a girl in my class was third in the nation for the one mile event. As a 17 year old, she could run the one mile in under five minutes, which is a huge deal, okay? So everyone talked about how she would be an Olympian. You know, we should get her autograph now. People really gravitated toward her because of her athleticism, but I knew her. You know, I didn't know her super well. I wasn't one of her best friends, but I knew her enough. I'd spent enough time around her. And I observed that our coach, our running coach, and her father did a really good job of tag-teaming her with psychological damage. She was under so much stress and under so much pressure in her junior year that she was about to have a breakdown, which led her to a sports psychologist. I could also tell that she didn't have anywhere near the heart or drive to be an Olympian. Everyone said, oh, you know, watch out for her. She's going to be an Olympian. I could have told you at 15 years old, no way. All she wanted to do, and by the way, very smartly planned and strategically planned, she wanted to get a full ride to a great college by, you know, having a running scholarship and then move on with her life, which she actually ended up doing and bravo for her for living the life she wants to live. She had every physical attribute an Olympic cross-country runner could have, you know, an Olympic one-miler could have, the legs, the body type, the gait, the turnover, meaning how your feet and your legs turn over. She had it all. It was effortless to see her run. She didn't even break a sweat when she ran these events, okay? She ran like a gazelle. It was amazing. And she was really pretty too on top of it. So of course, you know, if she went to those levels, Nike would have completely snatched her up. But she lacked the drive and the mindset. You know, that was my first experience in understanding how mindset in sports is absolutely everything, even above the physical attributes. 
It really comes down to mindsets. And yes, of course you have to have the physical attributes. You know, I, for example, I'm a good example. I could have never gone on to any sort of higher level running because I'm five foot one light, but I'm five foot one. I, I, I do have really good turnovers and gait and the whole nine yards when I run. I actually have a very good running style, but physically, you know, that's why cross country runners, Olympians who run the mile or the two mile, that's why they are five foot nine and above as women and weigh one pound. They weigh 110 pounds at five foot nine, five foot 10. That's what you need. So, you know, you do have to have the physical attributes, but mindset is really what comes through. And you're going to see that in a second. Let's jump back into 2021. Who is the most popular athlete in the U.S. today? And I would say arguably, because people can argue with me on that. Tom Brady. He is an American football player who has led his team to seven Super Bowl wins, the most of all time. In fact, Brady just won the Super Bowl in 2021 at 43 years old. Brady is the quarterback, meaning he's the leader of the team who must call the plays. And in a split second, when huge men are charging toward him, (laughs) you imagine, right? He must scan the entire field and throw to the exact intended player. And again, watching Friday Night Lights, it's a hard, hard thing to do. And not a lot of people can do it. You have to be calm. You have to be collected in the moment. You have to look at all your spaces. I think they call them pockets. And you have to make sure you're throwing to the right person. It's, it's not easy. Okay. And, and keep in mind, all these 300, 350 pound men are charging at you. So there you go. It's not easy. You have to stay cool, calm, and collected like Brady does. He's 43 years old, which is old for football, and he's still excelling. Like I said, he just won the Super Bowl, he and his team. That is now. That is Tom Brady current day. But let's go back 21 years ago to the year 2000. In the year 2000, Brady was a six-round draft pick for the NFL or National Football League, which is the highest league you can go to in the U.S., meaning there were five rounds of players that teams wanted ahead of him, and each round has 32 players. He was the overall 199th pick. What does that mean in football terms? That means no one wanted him. No one thought much of him. He was a decent college quarterback. He wasn't anything spectacular from what I understand. He had a good college career. He was the ultimate underdog. I highly recommend you to go online and search his draft pick picture. And I'm saying draft pick, P-I-C-K. It's hilarious. He's scrawny. He doesn't look like a superstar quarterback at all. And it's him and his boxers is actually really funny. And this is how he started his career as a major underdog 21 years ago. And then it didn't take a lot of time and he ended up blowing away the competition. Why? Why? And if you follow football, you will know that in college, there's something called 
the Heisman Trophy. And if you receive the Heisman Trophy as a college player, that means you're the best college player. And what happens and has happened many times is this Heisman Trophy winner, the best college player, gets drafted into the NFL. They're a first-round pick. Everyone wants them. And they end up flopping. They're a huge disappointment. They don't do much. So why? How is it that Tom Brady, who, if you look at him physically, yeah, he's super tall, but again, he's a little scrawny and you see him in his picture. How has he risen to such success while the top people at the prime of their career, the prime of their physical lives flopped? World-renowned mental conditioning coach, going back to Trevor Mowad, says the constant structure in high school and college is what contributes to these amazing high school and college athletes. So if you think about it, right? Again, I'm going to take football as an example. In football, you are often in the weight room in high school at 6 a.m. It's a serious dedication. And then, you know, you go to class, you do your day. And then at the end of the day, you're going to practice. And maybe for lunch, you're in the coach's, you know, room in his office watching game tapes. It's a, it's a serious commitment. So then you're done with practice, you get in your car, you get on the bus, you go home. And then what happens is your parents tell you, do your homework and get to bed at 9 p.m. There you go, right? That's absolute structure. For those of you that don't know, when you get into college football, the assistants on some of these teams are actually told to go into the dorms and make sure that these football players are sleeping when they should be sleeping. So you can understand the amount of structure. But then when you step up about a million times and you go to the NFL and now you're a professional football player, let me tell you something. It's your job. It's your career. There's no handholding. Everything is on you. Your success is on you. There's really not a lot of structure. Of course, you go to practice and the whole thing, but that's like us going to a job. It's the same thing, right? It's, it's six, eight hours a day of going to a job. But you have to put in the extra work and the time and the effort afterwards or before or whenever on your weekends. You have to do it because that separates the average from the great. A really good example is Russell Wilson, who started a company, a mental conditioning company with Trevor Moad, and he's a star quarterback. And they were saying that Russell, when he started in the NFL, he would actually attend staff meetings. And this was on his time off because he wanted to see what the coaches needed out of him. And he's a superstar quarterback, just like Tom Brady. So you have to make sure you're doing everything you can. Brady used to be an underdog. He's a nonstop worker. I think we all can guess that. But even more so, he attributes his success to mindset. Brady says this. I found that challenges bring out the best in me. Today, I think back on them as gifts. When you're in a Super Bowl game and your team is three touchdowns down and the clock is running, mental toughness is what makes a difference at the end. All right, so let's talk about Trevor Moed's philosophy of neutral thinking. In his book, It Takes What It Takes, which I highly recommend, great book, great listen on Audible. Moed says in his experience of mentally training the world's best athletes, the winners adopt a neutral mindset, meaning, okay, 
Here's the definition. I love this definition. You ready? A neutral mindset is number one, being aware of the past. Number two, being grounded in the present. How many times have we heard that? How metaphysical is that? And number three, being in control of the next behavior. Moed does not agree with the idea of positive mindset all the time. And he gives some good examples. And I'm going to give my own here. Okay, let's say if Tom Brady is in the middle of a game, right? He has six minutes left. He and his team are down three touchdowns or 18 points in the last six minutes of the game, which is the critical time of the game, right? How It's nearly impossible to come back from that. Yet, Brady has come back from that. How is that a positive for your, your team? Brady can't sit there and say, hey guys, rah, rah, we're the best, we're awesome. This is a great situation. Let's go out there, let's kick some A. What is that accomplishing, right? It's accomplishing nothing. So we're going to go back to that a little bit later and circle around. Let's just put it that way. The idea of being grounded in the present is so metaphysical. Lauren Johnson, the first female mental conditioning coach of the New York Yankees, which is a baseball team, says she will tell a player that if they make a mistake to think of all the five senses, sight, smell, hear, touch, taste, and choose one to focus on to return to the present. Now, what I found interesting about this advice was it's a very similar story to Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci is a really famous actress. You know her from, well, as a child playing Wednesday on The Addams Family. She's been in so many movies. She's been in everything. I think now she's starring as Z, as uh, Zelda Fitzgerald. And she talked about in this interview I heard with Andy Cohen that when she wants to cry on cue, she touches different surfaces and it helps her cry on cue. And where did she get this advice? Interestingly enough, she got it from Cher. You know, the Cher that if there's a nuclear bomb dropped on us, the only thing that will be left will be cockroaches and Cher. That Cher, she lives forever, right? So Cher gave her this advice and she said she's used it since. So you think about Christina Ricci, she wants to cry on cue and she's feeling maybe a desktop and then her iPhone and then maybe a, a felt or a suede journal or something like that. She's feeling around for different surfaces and it's the same with a baseball player. Let's think of a pitcher. Let's say he... Through the ball, someone hit a home run that's really bad. What does he do? He takes a beat. He looks at the ball, maybe. He decides to incorporate his sense of touch. He feels the seams of the ball, and he really gets into it. He feels every single seam. That's the same concept. So just all about being in the present moment and calming himself down, which is, again, metaphysical. We talk about it all the time. Being in the present moment allows for a neutral mindset. There's Tom Brady in the highest pressure, most stressful situations I think you can possibly be in. And what does he do? What does he say? I imagine he would say something like this. Guys, we're down three touchdowns. We have six minutes left. 
How can we get the points we need? What is our best strategy? Or as a quarterback, he's saying, hey, here is our best strategy. Here's what I think we need to do. Nothing is positive. Nothing is negative. It's just the facts. It's just neutrality. In this neutral state, I can't think of anything more present, right? And what else is employed here that I've talked about many times? No ego. This present moment has to be void of ego. You know, it's not Tom Brady saying, man, we're the best. We're out here to kick A. We're going to kill the other team. We have six minutes left. Let's kill them. What does that do? I mean, that does nothing. That, that, that literally accomplishes nothing for the team, right? So the ego has to be taken out. It's not about the fans. It's not about the team owners. It's not about the millions of dollars. It's about in the present moment, achieving the best plan to win. That's it. In fact, Trevor Moed was asked with star athletes who are young, who are youth athletes, what is the number one hindrance in their success? Any guesses? Mindset? Actually, no. The ego of the child? Actually, no. The answer is, it's the ego of their parents how they are being raised and making sure they appreciate every level of play instead of being constantly pushed to the next level. And he gave a really good example of this, of Michelle Wee and Paula Kramer, who are professional golfers. And the only reason I know their names is because I dated a golfer for a long time. (laughs) And unfortunately, I watched too much golf or, or had to watch too much golf in my lifetime. Michelle Wee was this powerhouse golfer. If you look her up, she's really tall and she was playing with the guys and she could just drive the ball like no other woman. And meanwhile, there's Paula Kramer who would play this very steady game. Everyone's bet was on Michelle Wee. She's going to kill everyone with that drive. But Trevor Moed knew watching them both and knowing them both, that wasn't the case. He watched how the parents constantly pushed Michelle Wee constantly pushed her up to the next level and she wasn't finished with the level she was at. Instead, Paula Kramer, her family support kept her at the right level for her at the present moment and she appreciated each level and she moved up when she was ready. You know, it all came to fruition because Michelle Wee has really not done much career-wise and Paula Kramer is a powerhouse. She's a super mega star golfer. So there you go. So again, egoless presence, right? Neutral thinking. I love this little story. This was in Moed's book. Do you know where Nike's slogan, just do it, comes from? In 1977 in Oregon, convicted murderer Gary Gilmore was executed before a firing squad, which first of all shocked me because I didn't know they had a firing squad in 1977, but okay. When asked his last words, he said, let's do it. Nike ad exec Dan Wyden had followed the case, and in 1988, he changed the let's to just and created Nike's slogan, just do it. It's arguably the most known sports slogan in the world, and it's all based on the idea of neutral thinking. Think about it. Just do it. It's not, hey guys, we're going to go out there. We're going to kill it, blah, blah, blah. It's not positive. 
It's not negative. It's just neutral. No ego in it, in the present, just do it. Let's go back to my opening anecdote of opposing fans peeing on your head as you're about to play, you know, not only this major game, but hope to lead your team to the most important win of your career. How do you deal with it? Let's break it down. Neutral thinking, being aware of the past. I've played in the snow, freezing rain, mud. I've even had another player's blood on me, and that was much worse. Being grounded in the present. People peeing on me is not good. I don't like this. You know, it's actually disgusting, but I can't do anything about it. I can't take a shower. I have a game to play. I choose to stay focused and lead my team. Being in control of the next behavior. I am leading my team onto this field and I'm ready to play and win. It's a good philosophy when we are stuck in a tough moment. One that's stressful, one that's upsetting. We can embrace neutral thinking and work through the issue. So I'm going to use my life as an example and this past weekend as an example. Being aware of the past. I've had panic attacks and extreme anxiety and insomnia from numbing down past traumatic memories. Being grounded in the present. Now that I'm releasing them, it has been physically and mentally exhausting. The last step, being in control of the next behavior. I now have tools to deal with this, such as a clean diet, which helps my anxiety, EFT tapping, meditation, researching a therapist on my health insurance website who has an expertise in a field that I need help in. I have all these tools to go to. I highly recommend Trevor Moed's book, It Takes What It Takes, if you like this subject. It will, of course, be in the show notes, and it really helped me shift my perspective this week. It really did. It wasn't spiritual bypassing. No, because if it was spiritual bypassing, then I'd be going, everything's great, everything's fine. Let me listen to some really positive things. No, I I have to work through it. My body has to work through it. I have to be honest with myself. I have to be neutral. And I have to say, sometimes it's good to jump out of the metaphysical for a second. You know, I know that all of us are attracted to the Deepak Chopra and the the Eckhart Tolle. And and, and I talk about that all the time. And I I love it. And it's wonderful. and And it's the basis for what we're doing here. But sometimes it's good to jump out of the metaphysical and look at something and examine something that normally you wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't look at professional sports or you definitely wouldn't look at mental conditioning, but it's very metaphysical and it tackles issues from a new perspective, which I love. And then what we can do is we can apply what we've learned and what resonates with us to our metaphysical practices and our spiritual practices. And that's exactly what I'm doing. All right, so until next time, If you're in a situation that calls for it, apply a neutral mindset and live your life two inches off the ground. Mm